Welcome to the Vocal Revolution, where we talk about changing the world with our voice, personally and collectively. And I'm just so thrilled to welcome to the show today Wally McDonald from Celebrate Life Events. And just to give him a quick introduction before we talk with him, you're in for such a treat because Wally has such a wealth of experience in working in music and social justice settings. Currently, he le- he's part of the team leading up Celebrate Life events, which is what it says on the tin. It brings people together to celebrate life in amazing events, films, workshops, music. And what's also interesting is that often Wally is able to bring together very diverse communities that often may be even communities that might traditionally be in conflict with each other. And it's very exciting. And they also have a wonderful documentary called The Power to Change coming out on the 10th of November, which I'm really looking forward to hearing more about as we talk Um, This builds on Wally's previous experience. He was eight years running the music programme at St Ethelberger's Centre for Peace and Reconciliation, where he made an incredible network of extraordinary world music musicians here in London. And he also has worked for many years at the the Holistic Centre on the Greek island of Skyros. He's worked for charities, including Amnesty and the Refugee Council. And he has been committed to community projects of all sorts and shapes and sounds since he arrived here in England in 1977 from urban Dublin. So really a huge welcome to you, Wally, and thank you for being here to come and share your your pearls of wisdom or your wise chestnuts. <laughs> um, to Thank you so much for, for being here. <laughs> Pleasure, Kate. We've known each other quite a while, and um, it's a lot of it has been actually really through music, and because that's what you brought to my attention was through your music, and then we we try to find a collaboration. I don't know if we ever really did find that collaboration to work together, but we've been involved with events you've put on and you've come to our events, so it's been kind. Of, we've woven across each other, and so watched each other what we've been doing and kept in touch. And we don't live too far from each other, you know, here in South London. You know, that's right, so, just yeah, down. Yeah. Down, down the hill for me yeah. <laughs> in Brixton. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, so fantastic. Thank you, Wally. Yeah, no, it's been an amazing journey and I've really, really want, I feel really privileged to have witnessed your, some of your growth as, as the organisation and to have collaborated on things like the Festival of Peace here in Croydon. Um, it's been wonderful to see how your work's developed. So it'd be lovely just to hear a little bit from you. Obviously, I gave you an introduction, but it's obviously ever, always just a, a very short insight into what's a very deep, long process of work for you. But um, reflecting on your story, are there some key turning points that you'd like to share with us in terms of your coming into this this mission of working with music and social justice? Well, you know, sometimes I've, I've thought about my life and I've thought, um, I, I don't think I'd wish it on anybody else. Now, when I say that, I don't mean that when you look at what refugees go through, people, you know, fleeing asylum and fleeing countries of conflict have been through. There's no comparison, but um, my life has been challenging because I wanted to not be bogged down in something that didn't f- suit me anymore. So I was willing to take that risk because I used to find myself on the threshold of saying, am I happy doing this? No, I'm really not anymore. Do you know where you're going to? No, it's a bit scary. It is a bit scary. 
but do you want to stay where you are, step forward? Let's go forward. So that's really how it came about. I mean, I mean, actually, let's tell you the truth. I got a break when I came to England. I was not in a good place. I was very active sports-wise, but had a bad injury with my knee. So I, I wasn't for, you know, using my body, which was such a stimulation and such a gratification experience. And uh, even if you think about a community, because you're with so many people and hanging out with them afterwards in the pub or that become your friends. And suddenly I was out of it um, and um, not able to attend a training course and things like that. So I was coming to the end of the, the season, that particular year, 1977. And uh, so the, the games had kind of finished, the season had finished, it was summertime. And I was somebody who was, um, you know, I'd become a hippie. I was t- taking drugs. But, you know, the story I would tell you now would be just horrible in one sense because of what I got involved with. And uh, But I got an invitation from one of my sisters. I have six of them to come and live with her and her husband in the Cotswold in England. So I'd inherited my dad's car, drove over, and I'd arrived in the most beautiful Cotswolds from where I was living, which is really very urban in Dublin. And, um, and they ran a health food shop. So I was introduced to this new world of beauty, natural beauty, which I absolutely love. And the Cotswolds are so gorgeous with all these little villages and narrow lanes and things. And I had a little Morris Minor I was puttering around. And I was helping in the health food shops and getting to meet these people who were customers. And they would be people like Buddhists and Friends of the Earth, people I would never cross my path. And, 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 and inadvertently, I became vegetarian because that's what people were eating and I just graduated into it. So that was a, I was a lucky break because that really colored my life. And also I was meeting people who were interested in meditation of one form or another. And um, it kind of intrigued me. It seemed really outside my realm of, um, you know, assess, uh, assessing life. But, um, but I was intrigued by it. And, but uh, I later went on to start to explore that after a while. So, yeah. So that was my first step was to leave my comfort of my friends, my scene in Dublin, but I was in a stuck place. So, you know, I jumped. Wow. I jumped. And it was like coming from black and white into colour, to be quite honest with you, you know, and especially in here, in my mind, it was. Yes. Um, and I found I was interested in people, interested to know about other things and what people were doing. And, uh, you know, yeah, so the journey kind of this, this particular significant part of my life journey began then, actually. Right. Yeah. And how amazing that, A, that you were brave enough, because I think, you know, that decision making process, I think many of us have faced similar moments where we're going, am I am I on the right track? No, I don't feel I am, but I don't know where I'm going. And then we kind of have to choose, well, am I going to stay stuck or am I going to move? And uh, you chose to move and you chose to leave your your roots as well. Mm-hmm. And you've done a lot of work with refugees. And I wonder if, um, as you say, obviously, you came voluntarily in a very different type of circumstance to a refugee. But do you feel that uh, you have more empathy because you've also left perhaps your roots and then had to change country-ish uh, as much as, you know, I know it's a complex relationship between the UK and Ireland, but do you feel, is that part of your empathy or understanding? Yes, yes, that's a really good point. It is because I had to open up to new surroundings and uh, and be in touch with fears and lack of confidence and um, this comforts and loneliness and not fitting in a lot of things like that on a smaller scale compared to a refugee 
So, yeah, so when I began to do that work, I really did feel and empathy and care because, uh, you know, when you travel on a journey and it has been a kind of a journey, you go through a certain, a kind of certain pain and pain is interesting because you kind of like you don't want it, but it's, it's in a way you learn from it. But if you see somebody else in pain too, they have suffered. When, when I dealt with a, an individual or a family or a couple came to me at my desk at the Refugee Council, um, they were already safe in one sense. They, they, what, what happened had happened, but um, they were also in the uncertainty of what was next, you know. So it was up to me to just be that hospital, hospitable person to say, how can I help you? What are your needs? I know what I can offer you straight away, accommodation. And um, but what other needs do you have? So th- yes, yeah, absolutely. I, I think so anyway. And it's, it, you know, I kind of think about it, Katie, as a kind of matter of the heart. I became interested in kind of that a bit, you know. You look at people's eyes, you see if they've, if they've got a, yeah, and refugees tend to be very open because they're, they've just have to, they've been stripped of any kind of, you know, all their dignity, in fact, even, you know. So, yeah, even when they meet officials and when they do arrive, it's not easy either. No, no, it's yeah. not an easy process at all. Um, no, it's not. It's a long drawn out process and it's kind of like it's impersonal. We talk about all the people who come in from Afghanistan, we've taken them in, but you don't know, you know, they're stuck in hotels and, you know, then you know it's a whole process, and they're lonely. They're missing the, the familiarity of their language, of their culture, and uh, yeah, it's a big deal. Loneliness is a big, a big deal. It's a big deal, actually. Loneliness is a huge deal, actually, and there has been some lot in recent years. A lot of research hasn't there about how uh, loneliness can and the importance of our social networks, and that 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 can have more of an impact on our mortality than things like yes. smoking and drinking and things like that. And that's, I guess, what, you know, your events are doing is bringing people together. Um, and I know I've seen you do some beautiful projects bringing young refugees together to make art together, for example. I know we were part oh, of yeah. a project, weren't we, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. in Croydon, where you did that and you ran some beautiful workshops. So, yes. you know, what what do you see as the relationship? What, what can the arts offer people in those kind of situations where they're, as you say, experiencing high degrees of loneliness, disorientation and facing a very, quite sometimes a very aggressive process um, and an impersonal process when they get here. How have you seen the arts helping people and particularly music, obviously, because well, that's what we're here we're talking about? Yeah. I mean, what's fascinating, Katie, is that inside of everybody is this, package of stuff that we don't even know about sometimes we don't know you'll find refugees come over and they suddenly they've they discovered art and stuff but they didn't they hadn't been an artist but they just have time and and, and this uh class were presented to them they dabbled in it and they start to make amazing things or write amazing things or write poetry um uh, want to be active and you know and obviously singing is a big thing because you know so many cultures are related to singing and vocal expression and songs are passed down, you know. But yeah, inside everybody is so much going on. And you and that's what I love about the arts. If you get a chance to nurture it, I mean, it's interesting how you know the governments focus on academic, and you can see the reason why it's pragmatic on one hand, but actually the arts inside of everybody is art, I should say, inside of everybody is, is massive, but it's just a lid needs to be lifted off and encouraged. And uh, people will be drawn to dance or they'll be drawn to, I don't know, 
painting something and all kinds of all kinds of ways and it's starts to nurture something and starts to kind of do a, a kind of healing in a sense and I, um I, it's hard to even evaluate it you know how how much it means to people um what i've seen really with in terms of art i've seen was the project in croydon because the other ones i was really wasn't so involved with i was just helping them to find their practical needs if you find doctors find solicitors accommodation etc but the one in croydon was amazing because it it uh, encouraged the kids who were, I say kids, they're all teenagers, I guess from about, um, oh, probably 13 to 18, 19, that kind of range. And, um, you know, it's just amazing. You bring in one uh, teacher who has a skill in one area and he'll bring us out and another teacher in another area brings something out. And uh, it, there's something about art, just be, people just benefit from it. It's almost hard to quantify, but they just benefit from it. And they feel good in themselves, you know. It's 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 an extraordinary part of. And I can't even say I'm particularly artistic myself. Actually, I think maybe I'm more a facilitator of that. You know, I'm more a person who, you know, get up and speak at a microphone and invite people up and um, maybe I don't know help some help 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 an event to happen. That's kind of my, my I suppose my strength in a way. You know. Yes. So yeah, I'm a huge fan of art and. Um, the beauty of art is a beauty. It's, it's a beautiful expression of people, you know. It really and, is. And yeah. yes, you have that gift. You have that gift of facilitating and to honouring people and bringing them into the space. And I think that's what's, you know, I was thinking, you know, if we could all package up or bottle up a little bit of Wally spirit in our communities, <laughs> you know, it would be a world would be, be a better place because you are so good at inviting including meeting people seeing where they are and having that that empathy that heart-to-heart compassion and as well being really practical and 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 you know and as you said at times you've had to do all the practical stuff of helping get people get practical help but also inviting them into spaces where they're going to feel safe to express themselves or have an artistic experience and I know we were talking just before this about how you see the arts as sort of soft diplomacy I love that Mm. could you say a bit more about what you feel about that well I I think I might reference here St Ettelberger Centre and St Ettelberger Centre is Centre for Reconciliation and Peace Peace and Reconciliation doesn't matter which way you say it and and, and also another tag to that is it's an interfaith centre and they would have so many workshops for example in there and um you know, they really get tiring after a while, all, all these talking workshops. Um, so the director I had that I met and eventually asked me to set up this program in there, said, we really need, I really, I, I really need a music person. I need something to create something artistic in the center. And uh, and I said, yeah, I really, I was itching to do something. I was going around shops, music shops, trying to find a job after I left the Refugee Council because um, I really decided I wanted to work in the area of music. I didn't know where it was, venues, work, music shops, writing to people and magazines, all kinds of things. And um, he was putting on uh, something at the Alternatives at St. James's in Piccadilly and I handed him a leaflet about a music workshop I was doing at a Kurdish centre in the Oval. And he lived in the Oval, he came along and he loved it. And he said, would you come and do something here? And what happened there was exactly as a word I use, soft, diplom- soft diplomacy. It's just, it just people come in and uh, they may have been at a workshop all day about 
And what was going on there with what, what Simon was trying to do, the director at the time, Simon Keyes, he would try and bring different people who'd been from, who are from a country of conflict, like Sri Lanka, Sudan, and bring them together and try and get a talking workshops about reconciliation with the diaspora in the UK, because they were, some of them were in different camps. But then he said to me, can you put on music events? He said, um, so what I turned into a, a world music program, he actually said, I want you to put on music from areas of conflict. And for that very reason, that it just has the effect of just people just sitting back and hearing a beautiful voice singing in Arabic or Latin American or, you know, whatever the languages is, the country they came from. Of course, we would provide food because food is another softening of the things. And people began to kind of like, you know, just physically change because what is that portal, Kate? What is that portal where the music just kind of filters in? And before you know it, you're leaning back in your chair and you just you kind of dropped whole dialogue in here. You're just really taking in all kinds of nuances that's going on with the music. And, um, and you walk out and, and your heart's a bit more open. And so that was the idea. And that's what I think art is so powerful and music in particular, because there's something about sound. I don't know what it is about sound. It, it kind of resonates with something within us, you know? And I'll give you an example of that. I go, we all go into supermarkets to um, uh, buy our food, some parts of our food. And often they're kind of strange places because everyone's walking around, you know, with their shopping lists and yes. unless you're with somebody, you're kind of, but often I, in some of the supermarkets, they're playing some pretty cool music, some soul music, and I just start moving. <laughs> I love it. And I hadn't even thought it would do that to me. And I'm going, I'm looking at this. I want to say, don't you get this? Don't you know this song? It's great. <laughs> and it's just, you know, it's something in us just kind of like an antenna just pops up and says, I'm happy. I'm hearing this. It's really changing my mood, you know? So yeah, soft diplomacy. I just thought of it today and it's, it's so true, you know? And, you know, we're, we're born to really, let's be honest, we were born to enjoy this existence. That's when we're at our best. So things that embellish that, that bring that out of us, you know, music, dance, being in nature, you know, being with friends, with company, you know, it's just, it's, it's, it's hugely important because if you think, Katie, every day we listen to the news and I'm a news person, it's not nice. It's awful every day. It's just, it's like one layer after layer, you know, so we need what you're doing and what I do a little bit, not so much now, but we need it. We need it. Yeah, we do. Yeah. We do need, need, need thirst, it. Um, we thirst for it. We thirst for it. Absolutely right. Yeah, it is a need. And it is um, often, the arts are often portrayed as luxury, like that they're extra somehow. And we don't really actually, for me, that is just a really blatant lie, really, because just coming from a singing perspective, if we think about how we teach our children and how we learn to form language right at the beginning of our existence is through making sounds, which are not language. And we learn and we teach our children through sing-songy type language. You know, the way we, we talk to children is like a sing-song type yes. of speech. And we do actually often sing to them nursery yes. rhymes and things that help them yes. grow and learn. So right from the beginning, yes. the arts and similar, I'm sure similar things could be said, you know, 
we've all done that thing when we were little of you know putting our hand in paint and you know and and learning about ourselves and our spatial awareness through art making and going Mm. yeah this is my hand it's like this I Mm. can put you know all those things all those things right at the beginning of our existence are learned through often through the arts and yet it's said to be a luxury and extra subject and it's been sewn in so many subjects that it is actually you know when we have music playing like you said in the in the supermarket if you have a good vibes in the supermarket you're less likely usually for there to be you know trouble in the supermarket or in the tube station which is why they're putting you know they've got classical yes. music in Brixton tube yes. these days yes. and things like that so there's loads of research that shows all of this yes. that actually the aunts aren't extra they're they have a, such a huge role to play, a vital role in bringing us together. And that softening, that beautiful softening that you described. Um, are there specific examples I'm just curious about? Because as you said about touching on these, uh, which I've seen you do with Celebrated Life events. And I've just gone, wow, how did you get these people even in the same room together? You know, like really communities who have been at sometimes in civil war, as you say, maybe they're the diaspora. I think you had, you've often had, um, I know, artists from Rwanda speaking about their experience there, for example. But you've managed to get people from the the different sides of a conflict in a room making music and appreciating each other's music. So could you say a bit more about that? Because for me, that is mind-blowing. And um, I'd love to hear more about yeah. those sort of stories. But those those situations really uh, come about because um, you know through a connection to begin with. Um, somebody who quite often actually somebody came to one event and they said we like what you do. We'd like to do it because we only do it with ourselves. We would love to open up something and even have some Westerners come to our music. So it filters down through uh, those people who who themselves are organisers in within their community. Yes. And but what actually happens because when we interview people sometimes post the event, they wouldn't come seeing they come to groups, they're in their safe little groups and they come out and uh, and that's how they arrive. And it's it's you know, when we see the interviews and I go back and look at them sometimes, it's impressive to see what they make of what the event happened, the event. But the event isn't just a, an event per se. We have it, we usually have a theme. With, with Rwandan and Burundian communities, it was Amahoro, which means peace. With the Middle Eastern communities, which covered a number of countries, it was Amal, which was hope. Um, trying to remember, with Latin Americans, it was Pachamama, Mother Earth. And so we had people speaking on these things during the session. And so there was another idea that um, we planted seeds of um, thought into, so we, you know, music as we were just discussing, it just opens up the heart, opens up the mind, and people are soaking it in. But we throw another little thing into the mix, just to say, you know, actually one of our one of our events was called Love, and uh, because we actually had it on on Valentine's Day, and uh, and so we went around asking people, what does love mean to you? And they were like, oh, you know, because <laughs> what we what we knew what the, the the standard line is, oh, I want to meet somebody. But actually, when, when you ask people, they did quickly tap into oh, it means I really care about what's happening in my world, that I have an interest that my other neighbor isn't suffering and that I could help. You know, they start coming up pretty amazing things, you know, that just went beyond just a normal relationship things, you know, and, and I love my parents, you know. So um that's really was the magic was was we always to have a little bit of an, another element to 
get people thinking besides just the, you know, the, the, you know, what you want, the visceral experience of being surrounded by music and a lovely vibe in the hall um, was that we would throw a little spanner, that's the wrong word, but a little seed into the mix. And people would say to us, we want you to do more of those things, you know. And uh, so that was a case of meeting relevant people, it's filtering down, people coming tentatively in little smaller groups and then opening up, looking around them and seeing, and then, you know, just feeling at ease, you know, because, you know, cities are not easy because they are full of strangers in a sense, you know, people just feel good with their little group, but we want people to feel more confident in themselves and contribute, especially those who come from outside to feel good. To feel, you know, and they bring so much, Katie. Don't they? They I bring. know it's so rich. It's so rich, yeah. and to feel that, you know, as as you as you call your, it's celebrate life, isn't it? To celebrate life itself, and also all the different forms of life that we have in this planet. It's so rich that we have all these incredible cultures and uh, different forms of music. You know, that we can come to that I could come to your event and suddenly hear something I've never heard before from yeah. a community I've never met before that for me is 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 mind-blowing and wonderful and what a wonderful enriching experience when we can appreciate it like that rather than being as you say self-protective no I'm just going to stay with my my clan which is kind of tribal isn't it and there's nothing yes. wrong with honoring our clan and our tribe of course that's important to honor and celebrate that but we can go beyond that and we can actually run I believe have enriched understanding of ourselves when we, when we when we meet people who are very different from us and can yeah. contribute so much more to us. Yeah. And then that we have, it's great that you're choosing those kind of very core themes because love, peace, hope, the earth. These are things everybody shares in yes. some in a very different way. And um, I was just thinking about you said Amal, which and of course little Amal has just arrived here in London for those of you who don't oh, know right. yes, yeah. yes um she's a, an amazing puppet who's been she's done a journey from Syria uh all the way here to the UK uh to raise awareness about the the experience of refugees and she's just been welcomed here by many many musical groups by the, the Royal Opera House I just saw wow. a clip of them singing her to go to sleep it was just so wow. moving I just got Gosh. tingles watching it so you know this is again it's just a sign of how much the arts can do as that I mean what a powerful symbol to have this huge puppet of a, a small girl and for her to be sung to sleep when she's welcomed here uh, mm. by artists and and sung to and welcomed with parties and you know it's it's what you would want for everyone arriving in this country really exactly what you just said I mean it's just, just again it was a piece of art really isn't it you know it's people people create this puppet and taking around the symbolicness of it. And it kind of disarms things, you know, because it's it's, it's quite big and moves around and it's the story attached to it. And, you know, uh, what was I was reading something today that we're living in a society that's inclined to encourage us without realising it to see our differences and kind of perpetuate our differences when actually... I'll tell you a short story um, that... Um, when I was working for the Refugee Council at the time, the Evening Standard had uh, they had a section about job careers on a Monday supplement in their magazine, in their paper, and uh, they sent a journalist to the Refugee Council one time, and uh, my manager said to me, "Do you want to deal with this guy? Do you want to be interviewed by this guy for the thing?" And I remember I knew because I used to read the article uh, when it came out, 
And uh, but of course, as 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 you and I, as I've been explaining uh, to you and the people who watch this, um, I've had a circuitous route to where I wasn't like I went to college and I did this and I was studied to go and work in a refugee. So I wasn't the ideal person for him because he wanted to to talk about how to plan a route into how to be uh, uh, work in this area of refugees and, and become a frontline advisor and progress in that area. And, uh, but, and so he put down the pen, he says, so what do you think of dealing with refugees? What's it like? And I said, they're human beings. When they sit down and talk to me and I have a translator with me, they're just not the same as me. And I remember he was like, oh, and it was kind of, I was surprised at his surprise, you know, it's like they're just people because they are kind of classified into this oh, strange person is coming here. What do they want? They want our best of what we have, you know, and um, yes. So that, that, that puppet, that Amal, yes, great. Well, we need those kind of things just to trigger, you know, yeah. conversations, kids see them. They want to know what's about the parents are explaining and you said there's some beautiful things happening around it with artists, you know. So, yeah, I mean, you know, we kind of, you kind of feel, Katie, when we talk, we say, does the world really need to be in so much conflict? No, is the answer. So, <laughs> yeah, a lot of it feels very tragic because it does feel unnecessary and it does feel, you know, of course, we're always going to have to negotiate difference and difference. Yes. You know, we can't uh, bypass that. And that, that can be complicated, really complicated. Uh, but when we allow difference to not be threatening, and actually a place we can learn from, you know, then it's it's different, isn't it? It's a different emphasis to guarding ourselves or protecting ourselves against, oh, that person's different from me. They look different from me. So I, I'm not sure about them. They Maybe I won't trust them. That's a totally different mindset to just going, this person is another human being like me, which is what you express so beautifully and it is our shared humanity that I believe that music and the arts can really connect us back into like a very core part of ourselves which is I always say it's kind of beyond my identity tags you know it's beyond my biography and you know yeah. you know what kind of a shape or looking person I am there's something yeah. inside me that is is more core and intrinsic to all of that and that music always makes me feel in touch with that and people call it different things but it's that kind of inner inner and and I believe everybody has that they, everyone has an inner world and when music helps us connect with that and that and soften us into this sense of hey I'm I'm just a person and we're all just people here together sharing this shared moment in time at this unique place um, and that's you know I've had those kind of moments in your events feeling like wow this is a totally unique experience you know and I'm so lucky to be here you know so thank you for everything you're doing well it's really pleasure we just said something really interesting there and this is really important um when you talk about music connecting you to yourself because that is what's missing people are not connected and if you're not connected to that inner part of us you're kind of easily uh, bothered by things you know instead of being kind of uh not only connected but continuing to you know, learn a bit more about that inner connection um, because it's, 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 it's the root of us who we are, as you say. And to be honest, it should really be introduced in schools, that kind of understanding, not drummed into them, but how I look about it is work in a way where young people kind of make their own 
comments and understanding. So they grow from their own understanding. But yeah, so it's, it shouldn't be a foreign idea. So being in touch with yourself, it's huge. It's huge, you know. And coming back to the bit where you were saying about uh, the government playing down the importance of the arts. Well, if if we look at what's the state of the world, if you had a report card and you think that everything has been done from the, the logic of the mind, well, something isn't working. So there needs to be more of this other element to balance it a bit. But we got so locked into this. And I might sound something say something radical now, but I'm kind of really seeing more women now becoming more important in roles and we kind of need that energy to be honest with you we need the energy the male energy the male whatever ego has been just the wrong thing it's gone down some crazy path and it's now very proud of itself you know so I, i'm seeing these changes like me i'm with ronnie and wendy and the team and they're brilliant to work with and i just see how they operate it's very different to me but just see how they think and operate things and come up with ideas and stuff like that. So that's another important part, I think, about the changes that need to happen, you know, so. Thank you for saying that. I appreciate yeah. that. And I really appreciate yeah. it. It's really, really, it's always really, I really appreciate the men in my life who champion female leadership. So thank you for being uh, one such man, really, Wally, because uh, it takes a lot. Because as you say, uh, for a man to be able to understand about the mechanisms of his ego and perhaps be prepared to put that aside in order to welcome the leadership of women, that's quite a process. So, um, so thank you because it's it is I be, I'm of course absolutely committed to the the cause of 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 women rising to empowerment and that that being not about in any way. Um, bashing men in any way but being about celebrating what we can all bring and that we just need balance we need like you say we just need more balance and we do need more women in places where decisions are being made because decisions are being made on behalf of women by men which aren't always you know working out so well well for us (laughs) well we're at the state we're in the world now and it's it's not good enough it's really not good enough you know so you know again i come back to the soft diplomacy yeah you know I, I kind of think women kind of have that little bit of extra softness they're willing to but there's an inner strength but they have that softness and a man needs to come down a little bit and uh, I think it's happening without I, I don't know whether the men are backing down but women are coming forward yes. they're coming forward and coming forward and it's just amazing you know and it's yes it's, it's, yeah I, I see so many so many you know great women around me and I mean I'm from, I'm one of seven children, yeah. but I'm the only boy. Right, right. So I am, you know, but that's a complicated story as the families often are. But I, the two sisters that I'm really close with, they're amazing. They're just amazing ladies. They just, what they do, you know, yeah. Wow. Well, anyway, we're sure. very, very away from the vocal, the music, but, you know. But it's all part of it. It's all a part of our expression. Of it. It's all part yeah. of our expression because if, if and it's this, whether it's women or whether it's refugees, whether it's people, if people are not being given a voice, in a society then the society is not is off is off balance yes. that's how i see it and yes. the arts have this incredible power to give people a voice which is why oppressive regimes have always tried to oppress the arts because they know that actually through the through the arts people can make extraordinary 
um, expressions, they can galvanise support, they can really champion causes, as we've seen many times. Um, so, And we've also seen how oppressive regimes will manipulate, con- control, censor the arts. I mean, thinking exactly. partic- particularly of exactly. Hitler and Hitler's way in which he kind of yeah, demolished and then tried to uh, completely... Um, manipulate and monopolize the yes. arts according to his own agenda but of mm. course that's been done many many other places as well so this 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 power of the arts to bring voices that are perhaps unheard or need to be heard to the fore is really really important and just I wanted to talk a bit about your documentary because it's got this amazing title the power to change and we're talking about the need for change both in ourselves as per people you were saying as well that importance of are we connected to ourselves do we have the power to change not just ourselves, but also our our society, our surroundings, if we feel that's what's needed? So, um, yeah, do you want to tell us a bit more about those journeys that you've documented and shared about and the wisdom in them? Obviously, I haven't seen it yet, so I can't comment. Yeah, well, yeah, I, I hope you're going to like it, whether you can see it on this particular occasion on November the 10th or future, we will have many screenings, you know. And not just in cinemas and small venues and things like that, because we really want to create a conversation about the ideas in it, you know, because the the the, the one of the conversations which we will we'll touch on around, because uh, uh, one of the people who feature in the film is a guy called Prem Rawat, and his thing is all about being in touch with yourself. So that comes into it. But um, basically, the film is really about uh, as the title says, about those who've been through, you know, difficult experiences. And quite often, their experiences born out of difficult upbringings, which led them to make the wrong choices, which led them to uh, be put in prison and be hardened by that experience and come back out into a certain group of people that they hung out with and repeat offending then having a, a mindset that was negative towards the world and um, being out of touch with maybe a deep need to feel love or to feel better, to feel, to create, be creative even, you know, it's like mm. that all kind of dissipates because they're now operating on another level of survival and hardship and being hardened and, you know, and, and so um, the people we've met, um, two of them we met um, in prison, although one of them I knew before he went into prison and you know I'd, I'd met him on a um on a, a training course about starting your own business and it was really interesting because at the end of the, the few days we did we were all asked up to go, go up and give a pitch of how we would how we would tell talk to Albert and he got he was brilliant because he was a spoken word artist and he was absolutely brilliant and I really liked him we hung out with him and then I was trying to find him for a while because he lives local to where I am and uh just couldn't track him down. At the same time, I was helping to facilitate this peace workshop in uh, in prisons. And one day he walked in, you know, and so he really got interested in it because he felt um, he needed to change. And he wondered, would this help him? And and, and it's, it helped him. He's busy doing other things as well. So he, he agreed to be one of the people. When I introduced him then to Ronnie and Wendy, he agreed to be one of the people. And so that meant we had to delve into his story, you know, and his story is awful. It's just heartbreaking, you know, and and his mother's story is awful, you know, because that whole, you know, that, you know, it's one thing seems to ripple onto another thing, you know, it's like you're talking about Jamaica, you're talking about 
well, people that their ancestors were brought there as slaves, and so and how, you know, so there's a lot, a certain kind of difficult history involved, you know, and hardships and poverty, and you know, so that's one person. The other person saying, you know, the difficult family upbringing, just out of touch with their parents, um, but something inspired them to change, and they heard, uh, in the case of two of them, um, Prem's message of honouring yourself, more or less, really honouring yourself. And you must start there, that kind of thing. And it was like, it, took, it takes a while for these things, as it did for myself, to, to, to develop. Um, so when you do a documentary like this, which, it, it, which is a lot of conversations, yes. you've got to edit it in a way that it's not boring. So it's, you know, a long thing and somebody talking. And Wendy has, to me, has done an amazing job because of very, very short, sharp interviews. And, and they weave back and forth, so you're engaged and you get to, to see the thread of the four or five people in it so you can follow their story as they talk about it. And um, it's beautifully done. And, um, uh, you know, there's other, there's a couple of other people in it. And one of them is Pastor Lorraine. And she herself, she's had seven children, but one of them is beautiful son. I've learned a lot more about him. Was about, I think it's about five years ago now. He was stabbed to death, interceding or to, to, trying to prevent two guys fighting. And he just was the victim of in the, in the, the lashing out. And, um, and he was, you know, she's talked about him a lot, how creative he was. He was an amazing kind of character. Well, they had birthdays. It's in the film, so I shouldn't say too much. He always wanted to sing a song for her. So he would sing a song just for her. That was his thing in, her, in their birthday party, you know. So, so her story and what she had to go through, the grieving. And then she became someone, I don't know, because she's a pastor where it was, where she was asked to comfort other mothers who were losing parents. And quite often it's mothers a lot, actually. Quite often the, the, the father has disappeared. And so she had to find the strength to do that. And, um, and she's quite a remarkable person now, really. Actually, without a breath. You won't believe this. You just won't believe this. It was her birthday on, um, actually, it's the day, and I must send her a message, but the party was on Saturday. So we're at the party, having a few drinks, and it's getting a bit late, and I was there with Wendy, and we we're going to go, and she said, before you go, I want you to get up and say something about the film. And, uh, and she's just about to invite Wendy and I up to speak, and this person put their hand up in the audience, and she says, oh, you've got your hand up, come over here. Now, she knew this guy. He got up and he proposed to her on the spot. He got on his knee and handed her a diamond ring. <laughs> oh, no. And we were like, what? <laughs> Everybody was like, the whole place exploded, you know, because wow. it was like totally unexpected for her. She's crying, you know, and, you know, because he's, she's not a young person, me not a young person, but this was obviously bubbling away. And he's a lovely guy. I only just met him. So anyway, did, oh, anyway wow. that's just, yeah, did she so. say yes? Did she say yes? She did say yes. Yeah. Oh, amazing. So there's a wedding coming now. Wow, now there's a wedding, a wedding. Well, isn't that amazing uh, to crown her story as well after so much exactly. suffering? Exactly, exactly. And she speaks so eloquently about her journey and, and, and her journey to healing, you know, um, what has been through. And, uh, and she's opened this boxing club, which was his dream. And she's managed to open it, and and she's been through some challenges in that that boxing club too. But now it's there. So the party was in the boxing club, and oh, made wow. it she went and made it beautiful. It was like somebody's living room, you know. Yeah. Everything was stripped away, you know, all the punching bags and things like that. So <laughs> and there's another guy. 
Huh? You weren't all hitting each other or... <laughs> 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 and uh, and uh, then there's another guy who's, you know, he's stabbed anyway. So I, I won't go into all those details, but yeah. it's very moving. I think it's a very moving film. And... Um, yeah, so I, I kind of think all we wanted to do is, again, to get a conversation going, to bring people together, to talk about the value of life, to talk about this inner connection that we all have, to, to talk about, you know, what, what gifts there are inside, you know, because a lot of the young kids, and the black community in particular, some of them growing up in broken families, they're losing their confidence. They're losing their confidence to lift their head up high, to see beyond their state they're living on. Um, to feel maybe there's race there's, because of their colour, someone's holding them back, all kinds of things. So there's a lot going on in the film on a lot of different on different levels. And another very key person who, who I met, and I was very lucky that I met a lot of these people in the film, was a guy, and he's the founder of Impact Brixen, which is a wonderful entrepreneurial site, space, beautiful. He's got a huge office now in Brixen. And he tells his story, but his story is challenging in one sense and um, the fact that he came from a, a you know a lovely family unit in in ghana but they wanted to better themselves so came to brixton and um came to london ended up in brixton and ended up in angel town and he says i thought we went backwards because there was so much crime and danger in the area but he followed um uh and uh, 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 came to his door to come study computer science and now he's the most amazing guy. So he tells that story. Wow. But it's all interwoven, not in long periods. But so, yeah, so sorry, it's a long answer to your question. No, but, uh, but it's a huge project that you're right in the middle of. And of course, yeah. there's lots to it. And, and what, yeah. you know, you've really given us a an overview of and and some a little some sneak previews into some of the yes. stories that are involved. And they are really inspirational. And I have heard Pastor Lorraine speak at your um, your events before and you know, uh, so I'm thrilled to hear about the marriage proposal on a personal level. I'm really thrilled to hear that because it's such yeah. a I've heard her speak about her story and just how tough it's been. And uh, so it's lovely to hear that that story is is moving on and evolving in such an incredible way and that we can out of such horrific instances in our lives we can still this is the power of creativity really isn't it because there's some life force in us that it's a bit like what you started out with with this decision this decision making do I stay where I am or do I go for something different what can I create with my life and that's what I believe our innate spirit is creative our innate life force whatever we want to call it is creative and it will help us build something new even out of what looks like an absolute catastrophe there's no way out there's no hope and yet there is still you know like I always look at little flowers growing up between concrete there is still creativity mm. Mm. even in the darkest of places there is still creativity and I even remember reading about Terry Waits and how Terry Waits when he uh, I think someone flagged up his story again during lockdown because of course he's a man who was on a, a horrific lockdown for as a uh, as a captive for many, many years, wasn't he? Um, having been yes. abducted and, and, and kidnapped and, and captive for many, many years. And he talked about how did he survive that in his, like mentally, without going mad. And he talked about the power of creativity and about how he literally wrote a book in his head. He couldn't, wow. they were, he wasn't allowed anything. No, he could nothing to write on or anything. So he couldn't write anything. So in his head, 
he was writing his book that he then did write when he was released. So, um, so this is just another example, and your film is full of these incredible, powerful examples of people using their creative, their inner connection to themselves and their creativity and their force for, uh, for life within them to, to, to change. And it's wonderful that you're celebrating that because we need more celebration. We need more... It's, we, of course, we have to look at the negative. Of course, we have to face head on the issues in our... But we also need to celebrate the people who are coming through, who are breaking through, who are leaders. Who And I'd love to see more of that in the media because sure. I think it inspires people. Otherwise, yeah. what do we have to emulate? Who are our role models? Yeah. If our role models are not behaving so well or we're only holding up the people that have done wrong, but what about holding up the people that are doing the amazing stuff and that can't we follow them and listen to them, you know? Um so, yeah, so I think it's wonderful what you're doing. Really, really important. And giving voice, literally, to stories that need to be heard, that need to be yeah, told. And, yeah. And but coming back to music, of course, that the music does play an important part in the film, as you can yes, imagine. I can imagine. There are soundtracks that augment things, and there is some music as well, but there's, there's that, you know, because, it, again, it evokes emotion. So you're seeing, because, like, when you do a film like this, you can't just shoot somebody all the time and and have headshots you have to have what they call um b it's called b something and what's called something where you just have people walking around doing things but then you need music coming along and but also there has to be music that uh, connects with the mood so again music is so important you know it's really important in the film actually i realized that watching it so yeah and were you involved in t you know, how did you choose the pieces? Were they kind of related to the communities that people were from, or how did it always? Well, more... um, it's interesting. There's again people we met mostly. I mean, at the event you came to in Lambert College, we have some of that singer. Remember that that young girl? We have her. In fact, she's coming to the event actually on the tenth. She's got married herself. Her yeah. name was N E double N E. So she's in it. Um, and uh, but it's really through friends, really. Um, uh, do you know Mel Larson by chance? Yes, yes, yes. Well, her partner. Yes. He's a producer and a composer, isn't he, Pete Larson? Right. Yes. So we've used some of his music. Beautiful, absolutely beautiful. What he's come up with, you know. Yes. So um, I don't know. Just, Wendy That's really was choosing choosing them pieces, you yes. know. And there's a, a bit at the beginning, a bit at the end. It's just, yeah, it's 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 a mix. So that's. You know, you need to have a film because, as I said, it needs to have a lot going on in it to keep it engaging, you know, because the subject can be difficult at times because people are talking about their worst things they've been through. So that's part of it, especially at the beginning. Then, then you come through, you see the parts where they come, what happened afterwards, you know. So at the beginning, they're talking about their what they what, what happened to them in their lives. And, uh, you know, so, yeah. Well, you know. That's the journey, yeah. isn't it? That's the, yeah. the journey of the of the... Well, uh, Joseph Campbell famously called it the hero's journey, or we could call it the heroine's journey. Yeah. But yeah, that 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 journey. Yes, through, it is. You know, through trial, what does that teach us? How do we transform? At, we have yeah. this invitation, as it were, to transform if if we take it, and 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 that can and what we each experience, because I'm sure everyone listening, you know, and everyone watching today will have had their own trials and tribulations. But what I've learned is that out of that, 
you can create something that's not just healing for yourself, but also of service to other people and can inspire exactly. and touch and uplift, you know, like Lorraine suddenly mentoring and taking care of other bereaved parents and then setting up, you know, uh, you know her, her boxing gym, which is a place for young men to come and to express themselves and to, you know, master themselves as it were and as well as get fit and have fun so you know uh, that's 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 really so inspiring just as one story of a mother whose whose son was stabbed you know so yeah and and I think we all have within us and have all had times of pain and it's what we do with it one of my friends used to say our our pain is our soil so how are we yeah how are we going to fertilize it how are we going to plow it back into life and how can it then be of use to us and to others yeah that's beautiful Katie and I completely agree with you and and I think all the characters in the film most of them are very much going to be active now um one of the guys in the film um because what also comes up in the film is the whole issue around revenge um and uh, somebody who's had things happen to them you know and um uh, he goes to tell his story, but what happened? What where he got to a point where he realized he has a lovely family now, and he says, "I'm not going to, I'm not going to lose that," you know. And so, you know, that's another part of the story where he made that change, where he reasoned that out. But you know, I've got something that is uh, it's so means so much more to me, you know. And 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 the, the real fire of his revenge has dissipated anyway, you know. But um, the time now has gone by. But uh, but you know. It was it was a decision also that he felt like, gosh, he was able to choose choice. That's an inter- interesting topic, isn't it? Katie? It is. Choice, yeah. Choice. And when there have yeah, been because... cycles of, as you say, cycles of pain and then revenge and cycle, and that happens, doesn't it, in in communities? Sometimes over very long periods of time. Um, well, look at the gang thing. It's, yeah. It's often about revenge. You know, yeah. Unfortunately, you know, for some slight, you know, it can be over something. You know. That's right. You know. And it's having, and, and so it's just expected, it's expected that you will revenge. But if we actually go, well, I have a choice, actually, I can choose. And if, you know, I love that phrase, the best revenge is happiness. If you're actually just, which is what your guy was expressing, you know, like, my life is so good now, you know, that's, that's the best in the way. If you had to get any revenge, that's your best revenge is to live, yes. live your best life and be happy and, you know, mm-hmm. and not let what, someone did to you overshadow mm. your life then they have no power over you mm. um and to just live your best life and not be as much and to learn and take what you can to to move forward rather than be mm. beholden to the, some kind of yeah revenge uh, mm. story or narrative um it's not easy none of that's easy gosh because there are such powerful instincts and emotions involved and so anyone who's been able to do that is you know wow you know just have to take your hats off and I'm sure these yeah. these people you're talking about are highly highly inspirational and highly highly great teachers for us all to listen yeah, to yeah I'm in, I'm in awe of them because you, you know they've been broken they they were broken they be, they were broken by what they went through what happened I mean one guy almost lost his life because he was stabbed badly and um the shock of that you know uh, is huge um and uh and and now they're just they're, so, they're still carrying, some of them are still carrying, you know, um, damage from their own youth, but um, there's something shining in them now, actually, you know, you know, so, um, and I have a lot of, I have a lot of feelings for them, because they're still working on their, one of them is really still working on his life, actually, quite a bit, you know, so, yeah. Fantastic. 
Well, thank you for sharing us that, that. And where can people come and and see the film? Do you want to tell us the details? Okay, yeah, it's going to be at the Ritzy Cinema in Brixham, the famous Ritzy in Screen One, the Art Deco screen, which is fantastic. And that will be on the 10th of November at six o'clock. And uh, so, yeah, so um, if you go on to Celebrate Life website, you'll see a link for that. Um, so we, it's not part of the, uh, the booking system for um, buying a ticket. So you have to buy a ticket through our link to do it that way if you can. You know, it's a donation, actually. There's no price, so you make a donation. Yes. Well, I want, one thing I wanted to say, actually, Katie, it was, and I didn't touch upon it, is Skiros. Oh, yes. And the reason I wanted to mention Skiros is um, that is so artistic. And it comes back. And the person I met there had a big effect on me was somebody you may have come across. as a lady called Frankie Armstrong. Oh, yes, I have. Yes, amazing. Yes. So the first time I started to sing again, because once I left being in Ireland where we sang in pubs and then I've changed, you know, and various things happened and I was busy doing various things. And went back to Skiros. Singing is a huge part of there. And one of the first person who ran voice workshops was Frankie Armstrong. And I remember like pretending we were in a field ploughing and call and response. It's like the, the, the lift we had from it in the joy. It was just, you know, so I, 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 I saw I must mention this when I speak with you about uh, Skiros and the singing the singing times you know out there yes. you know various people have come and run workshops hopefully maybe one day we'll have to get you out there <laughs> oh I'd love that I'd love that yeah. and um I've heard so many amazing things and seen as and seen so many artists actually Tom Morley who you know well oh, and of course. also oh, was yeah. on on the, one of our guests on Vocal Revolution he's been oh, a regular guest at, at um uh, yeah, he's been a regular guest at Skiros, I know. But coming back mm. to Frankie, yes, Frankie, for those of you know who don't know Frankie, please check her out. Her, she's an extraordinary folk singer and activist. And she does come from that place. One of her great, she has many, many important messages and she's written books. So please find those as well. And she also I, has I headed up yeah. yeah, the Natural Voice Network, um, which I am part of, which wow. is basically that premise that the voice is natural to us. And that as she was demonstrating with you very viscerally, that we would have sung in the fields. We would have sung with lots of daily activities. And in fact, I remember, you know, when I was a bit younger, there was more singing. There was more singing, people just singing like builders singing on building sites. And, you know, there was just more singing and whistling and in the street. This was more around, I feel. And I'm not quite sure why it has been silenced in a way. Mm. I'm not sure if it's just because we're plugged into these mm. and therefore we've become more passive in our consumption or mm. and we're more frightened perhaps to be especially on the street you know um you know you're worried that you're going to get accused of being you know antisocial or something um or, or mad or worse you know so so I think there there has been this loss of voice but people like Frankie are out there helping us remember that that is our natural state it's our natural state as I said at the beginning with children it's natural to sing to make a huge spectrum of sounds and that she helped you is is a wonderful story and and a great way to to celebrate as, as we were saying cele- singing for me is a celebration of life yes. and it can celebrate all of life all the tough stuff all the all the tricky stuff all the amazing stuff and singing is a way to do that so thank you for sharing that thank yeah, you no, it's like you're singing and you're hearing or all those around you, and everybody just gets lifted. Everybody, you know, people will come out of the workshops and they just feel like, you know, 
so fun you know and then getting each day maybe going over some of the songs and getting better and better you know so yeah i was huge huge fan of frankie's we all have our journey don't we our musical journey of how, mm, musical how journey. music yes. moves us and where watch our what our next level is in our journey yeah. So, so Wally, I just want to say thank you so much for all your stories you've shared today. Really? I know we could go on forever, but I, yeah. I, I'm aware that time has passed, and right. uh, yeah, um, and I we need to wrap up. But thank you so yeah. much, and thank I, you. I also want to thank, yeah, I want to thank you for the scoop recently. Wasn't that scoop? Oh, you did, thank you. Yes, it was so beautiful. In the rain. Sing for water. Sing for water in the rain. In the rain, it was fantastic. <laughs> Loved it. Yes, and my previous guest, of course, Helen, who founded that, you know, we, yeah, we had a very extraordinary Sing for Water 20th anniversary event this year in the rain, as you said, and thank you for sharing the videos and watching that. Yeah, we had a a very extraordinary time and it is a celebration of what, what song can do in the world, um, which is dear to my heart. And I know that that same mission flows through your work about how we can use music and the arts to make our Mm. world just a little bit better for everyone. But thank you so much, Wally. It's just been wonderful to talk to you. Thank you so much. Pleasure. Thank you for having me, Katie. Thank you so much. And I'll see you around, I'm sure. We will. And good luck with the documentary. Don't forget everyone to go to the documentary screening on the 10th of November. Thank you so so much. much. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Bye.